Welcome to Mental Health Conversations, a series of podcasts to help families and faith communities begin conversations on mental health. The goal of these podcasts is to provide education on mental health conditions, invite further conversations through discussion questions, and offer resources for follow-up. This podcast is produced by the Northeastern Minnesota Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America and is funded by a generous grant from the ELCA Disability Ministries, made possible through Always Being Made New, the campaign for the ELCA. Hello, my name is Joy Hensel. I serve as the program consultant for the Northeastern Minnesota Synod Youth Ministry and Mental Health Initiative. The topic for today's podcast is anxiety disorders, equipping family and friends. Our guest today is Elizabeth Sorensen. She has her master's in social work and is a licensed graduate social worker employed by Nystrom and Associates as a school-based mental health therapist working full-time serving the students and families at Denfeld High School in Duluth, Minnesota. Welcome. Thank you for being here today. It's so great to be here today, Joy. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. You know, so much of who I am as an individual and as a professional was really formed by um, my time in different communities within the ELCA. So that includes, you know, my time at Concordia College and with Voyagers Lutheran Ministry and Young Adults in Global Mission. And then I'm just really passionate about the work I do as a mental health provider. So to be able to just join those two worlds uh, is really special. So I also want to let you know that I go by Biz, B-I-Z, both personally and professionally. So throughout the remainder of this podcast episode, feel free to uh, refer to me as Biz. So Biz, tell us a little bit more. What exactly is it that you do as a school-based mental health therapist? Yeah. So what I like to tell kids and families uh, that are interested in learning more about our services or um, just want more information in general about school-based therapy is that just like you were to go and see an outpatient therapist or a counselor at a clinic somewhere in the community, uh, what I do is I provide those same services, but here uh, here at school, but at Denfeld High School. Uh, my position falls under the description of a community-based mental health provider, which means I provide mental health and therapy services to students and their families in the community uh, during the school year. I'm located at Denfeld High School full-time, Monday through Friday. Um, And depending on the type of insurance, I can also see kids in their homes, um, at predetermined meeting spots in the community, at our our Nystrom & Associates downtown location. Um, And just, it's important to note that the goal of community-based services and why I like to be a part of community-based services is the goal is always to remove barriers to kids and families accessing services. So, There can be a lot of different barriers, um, financial, just basic knowledge of where to go and how to get services, uh, transportation, um, and community-based is just really unique in that way that we we try to remove those and really um, help families that otherwise wouldn't have access to to our services. What a great resource. How common are school-based mental health therapists? Um, You know, I've worked in two different districts and a couple different school buildings. And I guess what I've learned is that each district and school tends to um, do things differently in the way that they provide mental health services. So um, sometimes they have people embedded right in the school. Um, They're hiring outside professionals like me. Other times they have licensed mental health providers that um, work in, in different 
district positions, such as school social workers, um, mental health practitioners. So I would just encourage any um, families that are wondering kind of what's available in their school or in their district to just call and ask. I know in my experience at Denfeld, um, I continue to have, you know, kids and families say, oh, I didn't know that existed in your building. And so especially in bigger, bigger schools, um, just kind of calling and, and asking and um, figuring out, you know, what resources are available for my child when it comes to mental health. These days as a school-based mental health therapist, what mental health conditions are you seeing and encountering with youth? You know, I see a variety of different diagnoses um, in the client base that I, I work with at Denfeld, although there are some uh, mental health diagnoses that are a little more uh, common and that we see pretty regularly. So those are things like depressive disorders, um, post-traumatic stress disorder and other trauma-related disorders, adjustment disorder, um, autism spectrum disorder, ADHD, um, and anxiety disorders are, are pretty common. Um, and that's, that's the topic of our discussion today. I hear an increase of youth and adults for that matter who talk about feeling worried, uh, feeling fear, feeling anxious, but those feelings are different than per se an anxiety disorder. Well, they can be. Yeah. I think it's a really important to, thing to clarify, like when is what I'm experiencing normal and typical um, and when is it diagnosable? Uh, so I typically explain to kids and families that feelings of worry, fear, and anxiety are all really normal. We all are going to experience that at some time in our lives. Um, healthy levels of anxiety actually help to keep us safe. Uh, it can help us to perform better and provide us with the right amount of concern to do the things that need to be done. So that could be um, things like studying for a big test or practicing your script for the school play or making sure to look both ways before crossing the street. Those are all ways that anxiety can and help keep us safe and help us to just do life. Um, that's healthy anxiety. But when we're looking at a diagnosis of an anxiety disorder, uh, we have to ask questions like, does this impair my daily functioning? Uh, does this get in the way of me being able to do life? Daily functioning means things like showing up to school or to work, um, engaging in, in healthy relationships with peers, uh, being able to take care of ourselves in terms of like personal hygiene and, um, you know, staying, staying on top of homework and other responsibilities. So building off from those questions, what are some warning signs of anxiety disorders? Well, one of the most common signs to look for, I would say in teens, mm -hmm. um, is avoidance. So mm -hmm. avoidance is a really natural, but often um, can be maladaptive response to anxiety. A lot of times kids at Denfeld get on my radar and get referred to mental health services because they're missing school, they're skipping class, um, homework is piling up, grades are dropping, um, they're isolating themselves socially, dropping out of or not engaging in activities. Um, so their anxiety in these areas leads to avoidance, which can then lead to increased anxiety and can just be a really, a really nasty cycle. And I think that's one of those things that stands out um, in terms of impairing functioning to, to adults um, that have relationships with teens when they start to see some of that avoidance. That's a really good point. I don't think I would have thought about avoidance and that being this warning sign or 
the symptom or sign that there's something else really possibly going on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one to pay attention to. Um, some other warning signs and just really common symptoms of anxiety or of a potential anxiety disorder is increased irritability, um, an inability to relax. Um, when teens start to have impaired sleep, including trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, uh, increased crying spells. Another one that often gets um, kind of unnoticed or that people aren't aware of is physical pain in the body, um, complaints of stomach aches, headaches, um, just other physical complaints in general. Um, anxiety tends to present itself um, in the physical body and, and people aren't always aware, oh, like that, that's anxiety. Um, kids you know, and teens saying that they've, they're having a racing heart, racing thoughts, the feelings of being on edge. Um, sometimes panic attacks can occur. Um, perfectionist tendencies can sometimes be a symptom of, of an anxiety disorder. Um, rigidity, along with just an inability to cope with daily stressors. So if a family member is starting to see some of these warning signs, what can the individual or family member, what, what can they do next? You know, I always recommend, and I say this even to new referrals that I get at my place of work, is I always recommend if your teen is experiencing anxiety that's interfering with their daily functioning, if you think that they need a higher level of support to just start with an appointment with your primary care doctor, I think that's really important to rule out any possible physical health problems uh, that could be contributing to anxiety. And once the physical health is ruled out, um, then your your primary care doctor should be able to refer you uh, to a mental health provider to to other mental health services from there. I think that's an important point that you've made mm-hmm. that sometimes we don't know what's going on in our bodies, and these signs or warning signs or symptoms could be a sign of something else. So mm-hmm. it sounds like that's important. We need to go to the medical doctor and start there and and yep. move forward from there. Absolutely. Where can a family member begin in finding help or resources on the topic of anxiety? Yeah, um, I just want to start by saying the internet is a beautiful thing (laughs) um, with about a million resources available on a variety of mental health topics. Um, I do have a few go-to resources that I will often recommend to families or even that I use myself when I just need a little printout of information about, you know, a diagnosis or something to go over with a family when I'm educating them or to go over with a student when I'm educating them. Yeah. What are your favorites? Yeah. I often use the Mayo Clinic's website. Um, It's a really respected uh, resource. And so a lot of people kind of trust, (laughs) trust their information. Um, so that, that website is mayoclinic.org, and you can go to adolescent. You know, there's kind of um, different sections of that resource you can go to. So you can go to adolescence. You can go to resources for parents. You can click a specific diagnosis, and they just have really good basic um, kind of clear and to the point information. Sounds helpful. Yeah, I, I, f- I found it really helpful just even as a provider when I need kind of a go-to printout. Mm-hmm. Um Another website I point kids and families to right away is the NAMI uh, Duluth website, and their website is the NAMIDuluthArea.com. For those of you who don't know, NAMI stands for National Alliance of Mental Illness. There's a national NAMI site, and there is a NAMI affiliate in Duluth, which again, as Biz has shared, is a great resource. Yeah, a really great resource. Um, and one other just local resource I want to shout out is the Northland Children's Mental Health Collaborative. Uh, you can find 
Um, their website is northlandchildrensmentalhealth.org, and they just have you know, a really comprehensive list of all of the mental health services available in this area, in the Northland. Um, they have crisis services listed. Um, they have resources for parents, mm-hmm. um, parenting resources, and then um, just a lot of great mental health information in general. So um, created really to help individuals and families specifically navigate kind of what's available in terms of mental health support here here in the Twin Ports. Biz, what are some pointers for family members on how to begin a conversation with their youth or their loved one if they're concerned about or seeing signs of anxiety? Yeah, you know, I think um, more than anything, just don't be afraid to have those hard conversations. Um, of course, it's a challenge to tell anyone, hey, I think you have a problem and I think you might need help. Um, one thing, you know, I but like important, to share. But important. Absolutely. Really important. Mm-hmm. You know, from my own personal experience, uh, back when I was in, in graduate school, I started to have really increased anxiety. I started having panic attacks for the first time. And it was my own parents that first started to point out to me, um, you know, maybe it would be good to just go to your doctor and um, talk about some of these changes we're noticing. What was and- that like for you to have your parents... You know, because I was so unaware of mm. my own kind of shift in in mood and behavior, um, and because I know that my parents really love me and care about me and know me, I, I was kind of like, wait, what? But I also paid attention to it because it was my mom and dad. And so having them say that, I was like, oh, you know, they make a really good point. I have been, mm-hmm. you know, sitting on the couch for eight consecutive days over Christmas break. Um, So that's kind of what I needed to be able to go and make a doctor's appointment and talk to my primary care doctor about some of these things that had been happening. That's what led me to being on medication that was really helpful and um, starting therapy for the first time, which was incredibly helpful. And so just having that experience myself, I would just always encourage, you know, if you have a youth or a loved one in your life that you notice, you know, is having some, some, what looks like mental health concerns. Uh, just don't be afraid to bring it up because that's, that's, that's kind of what they need. Um, is for someone to say, Hey, I, I love you and I see you. And, um, I think there's something going on here. How can a family member respond when their youth comes to them with a concern about how anxiety is impacting one of their friends or someone else that they know? Yeah, you know, I think um, I would encourage a family member to go about that in the same way they would um, with any concern that their teen brings up to them about a friend. I think it's about asking curious questions, gathering more information, assessing for safety. And it really depends on the situation and the severity of of the situation, but um, finding out kind of what supports that other kid has in place, supports or lack of supports. Um, Maybe it's going as far as asking for permission to have a conversation with that child's family member. Um, But I think it's just really validating what the kid is sharing, hearing them out and, you know, making sure that 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 other kid has access to the resources and support that they need. You used a word that I think is really important for us to remember, validation. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say um, one of the number one things I hear in working with teens is that they don't feel heard, that they don't feel listened to. 
um, that they don't feel believed or just kind of this general sense of like, people don't, don't care about me. Um, and so one of the number one skills I teach parents and families in session is how to validate Mm -hmm. and, um, how to listen, uh, without interruption Mm -hmm. and then just validate the feeling, validate the experience. Wow. That must be really hard for you. Tell me more about that. What's that like for you? What do you need from me? Those are all really validating statements that can honestly go above and beyond a lot of other things that you you could do for your teen. Those examples are so helpful. Will you say them again? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Let me try. Um, wow. That must be really hard for you. What is that like? Uh, what do you need from me? Tell me more about that. Um as, as simple as those questions sound, it's a great way to open up, be present, listen, and start the conversation. Absolutely. As this conversation comes to a close, I have one more question for you, Biz. Mm. What are three questions that a family member could ask to get their youth to open up and begin this conversation about anxiety? Yeah. I mean, as someone that works with teenagers, I know that it's not always easy to <laughs> no, have not. intentional, meaningful conversations mm-hmm. with your teen. Um, but yet so important. Yet super important to, to, you know, despite it feeling uncomfortable, um, I think it's super important to do. So some questions I would ask your youth, um, just open up the conversation about mental health in general. So or about anxiety in general, you can even refer back to this podcast, say, Hey, I listened to this podcast, they're going to think you're a huge nerd. And um, just tell them a little (laughs) bit about what you heard and what you learned and ask them like, is anxiety something that um, you experience? Uh, Do you have any friends or peers that you know, struggle with anxiety or mental health? Do you have any friends or peers that you know, see a therapist or are on medication? Have you learned about anxiety and mental health at school? I know one thing that people my age are surprised to hear is um, at Denfeld High School, the health class does a three-week mental health unit. And to me, that shows a huge shift in um, the culture and that like when I think back to my high school health class experience, I I don't think mental health was discussed beyond maybe maybe the topic of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't even talk about and even then how stigmatized. Uh, yes. How mental health was so stigmatized. Exactly. And so, you know, uh, just knowing teenagers and working with teenagers and being at a high school, um, most teens are going to have a, a basic understanding of either what is, you know, mental health or they know someone that has struggled with their mental health or, um, they just have kind of a basic working knowledge. So probably talked about stigma at school. Yeah. Huh? I mean, and how to break that down, hopefully. Right? And, and one of the greatest things you can do to reduce kind of the stigma around mental health is to have the conversation. So ask the question, ask your kid. And then it's really about, you know, when you have these conversations, it's really shifting and creating a culture within your family, um, of, saying this, you know, this is something we talk about. And just like we talk about physical health, just like we talk about spiritual health, Mm -hmm. um, mental health is just as important. And um, just allowing your kids to know that you are a person they can come to um, 
if there ever is a problem or if there ever is a concern. Thank you so much, Biz, for sharing your wonderful experience and wisdom with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining Mental Health Conversations, a ministry of the Northeastern Minnesota Synod Youth Ministry and Mental Health Initiative. These podcasts are an educational resource for parents and ministry leaders and are intended as a first step to begin conversations on mental health. The information provided here is not complete and does not cover all issues related to mental health. These podcasts should never replace the advice of a skilled mental health professional. Always seek the advice of a mental health professional or other qualified health provider for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment if you suspect you or someone you know has a mental illness or mental health condition. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911 immediately. If you are having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-8255 to talk with a trained counselor.